0: So that's the name of your podcast, Panhandle Primate Podcast?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So, yeah. Okay. Here we go. So, yeah, Panhandle Primate Podcast. Uh, which I can I, I'll tell you maybe the meaning of that after or afterwards, or maybe we'll get to it. But okay. Anyway, so uh first announcement is the Panhandle Podcast Meetup November eleventh at Fire Slice. So um, do you listen to me, podcasts? You know, I've just started listening to podcasts really in the last month,
0: and it's been
1: amazing. <laughs> yeah? What are you listening to? Uh,
0: recently, I listened to one or two of Joe Rogan's. I've listened to a lot of Charles Eisenstein. Um, oh. I'm quite influenced by Charles Eisenstein. Uh, but really what I've started doing is oh, I've listened to a lot of Strong Towns, because Strong Towns is the most important message for all of America, in a sense. Um, and then just basically what I've started doing is all these different little snippets of inspiration that I get or like things I'm curious about I'll just find podcasts about them so I'm kind of interested in um, you know like mushroom cultivation uh, and mushroom and soil health uh, and I'm interested in Korean natural farming and all these different systems and so I find sometimes it's hard to really make myself read books, but you know, you can yeah. get a lot of information when you're driving,
1: and I drive a lot, so yeah. you can get a lot of information. Have you listened to Joe Rogan's one with Paul Stimitz? Sten- Sten- I have not listened to the one with oh, Paul Stamets, dude. but Well, have you listened to a lot of Paul Stimitz? Uh, Stimin- uh, I'm or? familiar with him, mm-hmm. but it's a good one. Oh, dude. I that guy goes, that one. Deep, yeah, he he goes, goes deep, man. He goes deep. I know. And, um,. It is. It's pretty interesting. That's what I was actually listening as I was walking into your building. Oh, perfect! Like I, need I to was, listen to that. Yeah, one. I was listening to it. Um, okay, and that leads me into my second announcement. Um, go to my Pan- Panhandle Primate Podcast on Facebook. Uh, I actually any so my point, my goal for this Facebook page is if you hear an interesting podcast, then you'll post it there. And people who like interesting podcasts will be able to get turned on to different. um, So I've been posting. Do you listen to Duncan Trussell Family Hour? I've heard of him. I think I listened to one podcast a while back, but not that much. And then um, I sent you that episode of Tangentially
0: Speaking. And I actually listened to a couple podcasts of his. It was interesting because Uh you linked me to it and I didn't follow it up. But then Uh I've also been looking into... you know, some of those ideas by that author. I read the book Sex at Dawn a few years ago. Yeah. And then <laughs> I didn't realize, but uh but so when I like I, I found this other
1: podcast I listened to and I was like, Oh shoot, that's the same guy you linked me to. So Yeah, dude, okay. Dunk okay, so what's awesome about that guy yeah. is the sexual aspect of like sex at dawn is yeah. actually only a minuscule part right. of like what his larger meshe- messages. He's writing a, he's currently writing a book called Civilized to Death. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, anyway. So let's see what was I saying about that.
0: So you're gonna have this forum where people can post. Oh so yeah, you're yeah. Trying to
1: develop a podcast yeah. community. Yeah, pink. And, and then intellectual want,
0: community, maybe yeah, yeah, and an intellectual
1: community in Amarillo. Or well, in, actually, in the, in the panhandle, wherever. Honestly, I mean, yeah. if people want to, I kind of want the idea of the 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 reason I call it the Panhandle Podcast Meetup is yeah. it's not me, it's not meeting up for my podcast right. and my fans. Right, you know? right, right. I really want it to be something that uh, is a encompassing. It's what are you listening to, and a way of like. You know, sometimes it's hard to share ideas um, because of, inaf- like, inability to remember. Or- yeah. But these podcasts, the amazing ones, the really good ones, cement in time like a picture. Right. and And then we can all see the same picture. Yeah. And that way you can talk about intellectual... Ideas that have been flushed out for three hours, and we're at the same starting point. You right. know, yeah, I agree. So it's kind of cool. And uh, so I'm wanting it to be the Panhandle. I got the Panhandle Primate. I had to like plug myself, sure. You know, at some point. Yeah. But Panhandle Primate podcast, and anybody can. I think I might have to. Are you good at Facebook?
0: Uh, yeah. You have to like manage the uh, the permissions
1: or something. I might have to ask you. I might sure. have to ask you that. But sure. I want everybody to be able to post into that because honestly, I love new podcasts and hearing new content, and hearing exciting things like, uh, about universal basic income. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm pretty curious because my job being a firefighter
0: yeah,
1: is a public service, right? right? So the definition of public is very important to my paycheck yeah. each month. And with self-driving cars and all of these different things, you know, I, I think, um, the Definition of public is going to become very important over the next decade, but yeah, public services, public health, public you know, feeding people, and all that kind of stuff, anyway. Right. Which I think we probably could have some interesting stuff to talk about on that, but anyway, so go to Pan Primate uh podcast, uh, Facebook page. You can follow me on Instagram, also. Second thing, I just introduced it so. Today, this morning, I went on a workout with my cousin Lance and Nick. Oh, nice. Those dudes are monsters. Really? They, they're fast, really good runners. Um, but what we did is we started at my house, mm-hmm. ran down to Amarillo National Bank, okay. did a couple workouts in my house. I have a climbing garage, nice. a climbing wall in my garage and some like kettlebells, still maces, that kind of stuff. And then we ran over to Amarillo National Bank, uh-huh. which have you seen their little rig on top of uh, the parking garage? A climbing wall? No, no, no. They got like a uh, CrossFit, no. like monkey bars, Ooh, climbing awesome. rope, awesome. tires to flip yeah. and stuff. So uh, we did that workout this morning. Well, I'm probably training for a Spartan race. Okay. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I want to commit because it's pretty pricey, the entry fee, okay. whenever I can test myself. And what's a Spartan race? Um, So it's like designed to – It's a, so they have different distances like – four, seven, and then like 13-mile races, Yeah, and they're through obstacle courses. Wow. And it'll be like working your way across monkey bars or like filling up a bucket of gravel and carrying it like half a mile, Yeah, like those kind of uh, stuff. And you race against a huge group of people. Actually, one of the guys I, I work with him, he like finishes like 12th in these things. Like he runs uh like sub six minute miles Mm, for multiple miles while doing obstacles i mean the dude's a monster but it's just uh it's just a new craze race you know it's pretty cool but anyway um so that's fun i might want to go on one of these workouts with y'all yeah dude you're honestly more than welcome like we did it this morning at nine yeah and uh i'm hoping to eventually so this is a shout out to anybody who listens to the podcast yeah i need a wrestling mat if you have access to a junked out wrestling mat, it doesn't even have to be new. But what my goal is is eventually to do jujitsu okay. in my garage. Yeah. Have some heavy bags. Have some uh, mitts. You know, be able to just put on um, workouts where anybody can come, and within them is built m- mileage. So yeah. hopefully, what the goal is is to work up to a seven mile run with. Let's-
0: That's a great point that you put that sounds like you're kind of wanting to have a little bit of, you know, your own private workout space, but make it kind of community workout space. Uh And uh, I actually tried to work on that for a little bit in the city because, you know, if you go to uh, Amarillo uh, College downtown campus. Yeah. The gym there is the old Emerald High School
1: gym. Oh hell and yeah! And if you notice, there's five workout bars. Do we just that, that have been in there for like. We 50 were doing years, no shit, years, dude. Yeah. This is a no shit. Yeah. We were doing muscle ups on those bars right. this morning, and I said that to my cousins as I was like. Can you imagine how many hundreds of thousands of pull-ups right. from guys who have lived in Amarillo who are trying to better themselves, get stronger, get right. you know, push themselves? Yeah. How many hundreds of thousands of pull-ups have been on this bitches? You now, know. Now one one thing that's interesting about that. So you know,
0: our family has a small foundation, and I've visited other cities, and I loved the parks where they had public exercise equipment. Hell yeah! Now I tried to get. I talked to the city parks department. I tried to even pay for. I said, "Look, we'll." Like, I tried to get them to build bars and build racks and things like that. Liability? Liability. Yeah. That's the that's, whole thing. That's a bitch. It's so crazy. Like, why? Okay, A, A, here's... Okay, for liability A, if you want to even get them installed, you have to have this company, like a national company, that has some giant liability policy and has designed them. Ugh. They have to install them. So then instead of, like, a bar that you could put in for 500 bucks or 1000 bucks, like, you get a plumber or a welder... Oh, yeah. It cost $20,000 for it. And even then, this, the city was still like, you know what happened? The parks one time got sued really hard by some dude. And so now they're just not going to touch it. But yeah. all the other cities have figured it out. Yeah. Come on, Amber. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and ideally, oh yeah, in bold. my opinion, let's just get some concrete, get some metal poles. It's not that hard. You know, like there's maybe some designs. Like we don't want someone's head to get stuck, but like make it 18 inches off the ground.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not that hard. No, not at all. So I almost think that. If the public parks won't do it, which they really should, we should just buy a little piece of land and just put something on there, Dude, you know? private parks. Yeah, exactly. Why,
1: why is that not a thing? Why are pri- now? I'm not, not saying that it's an exclusive park, yeah. but it's a private park to where you could have a badass lawyer write all of your shit that you need right. for, to exclude you from... And then you have a private park, and then you have rules for that park. Yeah. You know? And then you have incentives. That's the other thing I think would be really cool, is imagine... Uh, I guess I'm throwing this idea out to the world, Sure. Go ahead. I don't give a shit. Um, so you take an app like Strava okay. or you have these private parks, right? right? And then you go to like get fit mm-hmm. and you say, okay, for a thousand dollars a month or $500 a month, I don't, I yeah, don't know. Some, I'm not a financial I'm not, sure, dude. I'm sure. not a financial dude, but for a certain, a low cost fee, we will put a, um, a, Uh, Get fit sponsored loop, right? And each, if a person does that loop and they complete the challenge, Mm -hmm. they get 15% off of a pair of shoes, right? So you incentivize them to start going into Get Fit, a local company, and buying a pair of shoes, right? It's a promotional thing, right? But you, so then you monetize the space and then you can actually sponsor some things to make it to where you have uh, like the 5Ks or the half, uh, you have them incorporate these private parks. To where you actually build like a network yeah. of promotional ads where I the only thing that it costs me is sweat. The right. only thing it costs me is I have to get there, I have to run it. Yeah. I have to get there and I have to participate, you right. know? And and then you have people going in and hopefully get fit will get a bump. I'm I'm plugging them, I guess. I don't know. Um they'd get a they'd get a bump in people buying shoes to work out and get stronger. Right. Which would then reinforce the traffic, build more traffic. And then make it a place to where people meet. It's like, uh, hey, let's instead of going to the bar first thing after, yeah, let's go stop by this private park. Let's go to the pull-up bars. Yeah, we'll go to the we'll go to the pull-up bars, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll do a hundred pull-ups. Right. If we do a hundred pull-ups, we get half off a beer at Five Car <laughs> Racing Brewery. Be funny. You know. Be funny. Yeah. So then you encourage people to go work out and then go drink a beer, man. Right? Chill out, enjoy life a little bit. You yeah, know, get fun. out in the city. So I agree. Uh, anyway, that was man. We're like twelve thirty eight into this thing, really? and I haven't even uh, broken the, which is good, man. This is, uh, Let's keep on going, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. so that I'm creating a Spartan race team oh, is awesome. what all of this goes back to. Is, okay. So basically, what it will be is um, my cousin Nick. He's actually gonna try to build a little course. Mm-hmm. My cousin Lance has a course. Awesome. And I have a course. Nice. And so what the goal is going to be is be able to make these workouts that we're going to be doing. Yeah. If you show up to these workouts and you do it, you're going to be ready for a Spartan race at the end of wow. it. Wow. And then that will be uh then we'll be a Spartan team, Spartan race team, you know. Who knows what that even means, but it's free. All it costs you is a little bit of running and maybe an entry fee. And you make and some friends. Make some way. friends, man. That's the thing. Maybe we can raise a little bit of money and make a badass t-shirt. Yeah, it'd be fun. You know? Um, so that is actually the end of my intro. <laughs> okay, good. So, yeah. 12, 13. But see, here's the thing is I like doing the intro in front of the guests. I'm yeah. still working the, out the formula. But I feel like, number one, it's a good way of, like, breaking up. And then you might ask a question. That one of the listeners is right. is asking themselves or is thinking themselves.
0: Well, I would so. say, I mean, I've noticed with podcasts, I mean, with life in general, you know, if you want to talk about synchronicities or just uh, inspiration, I mean, I think podcasts are amazing for that. Because, like I said, I started just typing in search, you know, just in the search bar, like, oh, I'm interested in uh, whatever it is, like raise, growing mushrooms or I'm interested in strong towns. And then... It just like you keep on getting these nuggets of information that then open up other
1: questions, and like podcasts mm-hmm. are just amazing mm-hmm. for that, you know. It's like, but so we're we're told to think that when you learn a subject, it has to be linear. Yeah, you know, we're told in order for you to uh, understand advanced quantum mechanics, you have to understand two plus two equals four, right? Right. right. But then you got Einstein, who was considered <clears throat> slow, and all you know had. Got, was working at a patent office, not doing shit, mm-hmm. and he sees a completely different world up higher, right, you know? Right. And So, which granted, you know, he was a college student. He was a badass at math way before. It wasn't like he just had a stroke of genius. He sure. knew what the hell he sure, was talking sure. about. He just couldn't say it, right. you know? Um, oh, dang. I don't know why I went on that. But, yeah, I mean, oh, it, luckily,
0: podcasts allow you to have a nonlinear, more yeah.
1: associative yeah. and –
0: also kind of big picture depending i mean you can go deep or you can go big picture right but it allows you to really it creates like a marketplace of ideas where you can really get right. these ideas flowing throughout yourself other people the community and now also what's nice is like you know uh i don't know Rogan that well but you know i've heard a few of his things i know a little about him I know a little about jordan peterson charles yeah. eisenstein all these great thinkers charles eisenstein yeah. okay
1: uh, finish your thought, and then we're going back to that guy. Okay. I just wanted to yep. make sure go to that, that, guy. that guy. So go. No, up, so continue. that's
0: basically. Yeah. I mean, it's just it gives you a inspiration, b insight into other people's lives, and c uh,
1: I don't know if there's a c, but was we'll it maybe an b? Okay, and yeah. b. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yep. Well, so this guy, Charles Eisenstein. Eisenstein yeah. yeah. Okay. So like, how did you get, or what is he about?
0: So Charles Eisenstein. I'm trying to think how I first heard of him. But he is basically about uh, questioning the, I guess you could say, the Western progress, story of progress. And so his whole thing is that basically, you know, he has all these different books and podcasts and things, a new and ancient story. So he thinks that the story of civilization in the West is basically breaking down. And that's why we're getting all of these difficult uh, issues and these kind of like unsettling occurrences um you know maybe massacres global warming all these different things because basically we have for a long time i would say at least since um, i don't know basically western civilization for a long time has had a story of being separate from the world and separate from god and separate from one another And that has led us into all kinds of different discoveries, but also really difficult um, ways of viewing the world, like materialism itself. I mean, if you are just a bunch of atoms, and you're just these biological processes, and you're just biological processes, well, then where's the sense of connection, of spirit, of love, all these things. Mm. And that has really, in my opinion, in my own personal psychology, that has permeated my psychology. And so my own Uh, growth and development, as well as as I would say a lot of personal pain, has come through extricating myself from those ideas. Mm. And so podcasts, you know, are, are one amazing way to do that. There's a lot of different ways, but basically it's been, yeah, basically, you know, what I learned in growing up in school, what I learned from my parents, um, we've all sort of been sold a bill of goods, uh, that isn't really true. And, um, you know, no, I'm not trying to blame anyone. That's what's so crazy about it. We're all in this, except for you know. I think a lot of these people that were inspired by, like, um, I don't know, Abu Marcus, but uh, the guy, the sexed guy, yeah, yeah Chris, Chris Ryan. Ryan. I mean, it's looking at older civilizations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of more communal civilizations. The archaic <laughs>
1: revival. Are you uh, aware of Terrence yeah, McKenna? It's probably same same yeah. thing.
0: Do you know who Terrence McKenna I is? I do. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Cool. And
0: and so it's it's all about you know. Basically, trying to get back to these fundamental core needs that humans have and the way that we have, are living. I think one of the biggest ones we can feel anywhere, I think it's pretty strong in Amarillo, is we, we don't often have a sense of community. And no blame on anyone exactly, but a lot of that can just come down to us driving everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. a really antisocial way of constructing a city and, yeah. and living. Um, so, anyways. That's what Charles Eisenstein is about, and he goes into everything, and he asks amazing questions, and he's just an amazing thinker and speaker. He he has a podcast? So he does have a podcast. Uh, I first sort of got into him, I did a a workshop, like a a class that he had on, he called it Masculinity, A New Story, Mm -hmm. so it's sort of trying to investigate issues for men, Um, but sort of in a very broad way. He interviewed you know, different people who do, um, sort of sex counseling. He interviewed, uh, different Native American people talking about, you know, what their relationship with earth and women and everything were. Um, so he just does a lot of different things. Uh, he has a few different books, um, like, uh, sacred economics was one of them, Mm. basically saying that we live in a very transactional society and it's actually kind of alienating because if it's always about, well, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. You don't really feel like you're a friend or you're connected. So he says that nature and older societies used to work on a gift economy. So if you look at a tree, you know, it gets some sun, gets some water, a few nutrients, and it just
1: goes gangbusters, man. It puts out hundreds of, apples you know it literally drops yeah it drops edible food that all you have to do is pick that shit up and eat it right and then you live right
0: and (laughs) so that's sort of the fundamentals i think you know nature can be a little tricky to implement i mean sorry growing food can sometimes be tricky to implement but the the pure economics and dynamics of nature are like one to a thousand you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like one seed or a couple of seeds you get Mm -hmm. a huge amount of abundance from that um And so he's saying that actually that is more in our nature. That is more like that. If we go back to some of those ideas, it makes us feel more human. And more connected to the universe. Um, So anyways, he has tons of, tons of books. And actually, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm reading a book right now called The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible. Um, I'm about halfway through it, but I kind of want to create a reading group of people who would want to read that together. Like a study group.
1: So now... One thing I'll tell you, yeah, my my wife, yeah, um, she just finished with her English degree, okay. From the, so one of our ideas that we were wanting to do downtown, we were working, um, working a little bit on it for a little bit, but we're not sure it's what we want to do. We're not really business people, right? Like I'm kind of a arbitrary dreamer in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's really hard for me to keep my nose to like one project. And my You're, wife is, like, an intellectual, like, loves academia. She yeah. wants to teach linguistics okay. and uh, work on that kind of stuff. So we're not sure that our life necessarily, like, lines up with, like, making, manifesting something like this to happen. But we yeah. were wanting to do a book bar downtown. Okay. So, and the big thing would be for book clubs. So yeah. we're actually part of, it's called the Great Books Book Club. Okay. Here in Amarillo. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's kind of cool. They've been meeting since the '50s. Wow, as like a unit, you know, they don't have any original members or anything. Yeah, but they've been meeting as a uh, group in Amarillo since the '50s. And uh, so we joined that recently. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. It meets every two weeks. And then uh, my wife actually started a book club called the People Who Read Book Club. Okay, so we're kind of working our way and. We only had one meeting so far, but I'll have her invite you to the group if you would like. And
0: actually, when I was in Seattle, just a thought, you know, because I think obviously taking on a whole bar or a whole coffee shop is a big responsibility, but you should just prototype it. So uh, when I was in Seattle, you know, a a coffee shop there, it was either a bar or a coffee shop. Anyways, they started doing basically a, a little thing, like maybe once a week or once a month. Where people would just go there and and bring their books and read. Nice. But so, you know, because Seattle's kind of a bookish, mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, it's a little bit of like an, an insular community. So, but people still like crave being social, and oh, so yeah. they could like sit around and just like read. Now, of course, you and I, because we're both super social, like we'd yeah. just be trying to talk to yeah, everyone. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, shut I'm trying up, trying my chapter, Will you no? shut up? Like, yeah, leave me alone. But that's the way that you can <laughs> yeah, test the idea. Yeah, Just talk to Palace or talk to Evocation or whoever. And see, that's
1: my, my idea would be that it would be slash a podcast lounge. Okay. And what we That'd would do fun. is build a little studio yeah. in the corner. Yeah. And that way, if you had a podcast, but you didn't have anywhere to meet, right. you can meet there. You could rent time or rent the space. You'd have all the equipment set up. And then like, so Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. uh, well, I don't know if he does it, but Duncan Trussell, and a couple other people, they do live podcasts. Oh, cool! Where they broadcast it live. Yeah. So you can have these podcast meetups. Dunk. We're playing Duncan Trussell's live podcast at three three o'clock. Right. It's half priced, whatever beer you know. And right. You just come in, you drink, you hang out with a with a group of people, intellectual mm-hmm. community. Make it to where you have study space. Make it to where you have all these different things, and you can kind of disperse. But the the idea is, yeah, you need you need. For any idea, and I was actually going to talk to you about this a little bit later. I have integration written down. Mm-hmm. But any time that you read a book, like I just finished yeah. 1984. Yeah, good book. Well, Shannon, my wife, read it a month before me. She read had it. never read it. I read it in high school, so I kind of yeah. knew the story. She reads it, and we're talking about it. I'm like, I don't quite remember it, so I read it. And now we're able to integrate the meaning that yes, he was writing exactly. in, into it. So now we can we – can, uh, Create some sort of usable um, thought process in the world. Like, what yeah. is he saying by this? What does it mean to be? Right, you know, you can embody it more exactly. And and so uh, the the whole thing. I think that that's the biggest problem. And I I think some of it was nefarious, like almost uh, what is the word uh, conspiratorial? You <laughs> so, know, which for to isolate, alienate the oh, individual. Right, right, right. So. We've, since the 50s, they've been intentionally alienating individuals, you know, creating speech pockets and demonizing words and demonizing thoughts and, you know, kind of part of what, you know, the Western style of teaching something. Hey, linear. Yeah. Like you need to learn where the moon is so you can learn where the other planets are. We don't want you seeing all that shit in a vision or a dream, you know. No, you have to learn it through the textbook the way we teach it, you know. Instead of everybody might learn it a little differently or or process it at a different time or different rate. But you have to have people to talk. That's where schools are important. Schools are important and that's like uh, a lot of people think back. What was the best time of your life? Oh, high school. They just can't escape high school. That was the peak of their intellectual life. So now they're frozen in their intel- they're intellectual life is now frozen now you're a worker bee you're working for your retirement you're working to buy a bunch buy all your shit get get debt free and then just ride it out man just ride it's like it's this materialistic way of viewing the world instead of saying create your masterpiece Mm -hmm. don't know what that is Mm -hmm. you probably don't even know what it is Mm -hmm. What a lot of people i mean like you got that guy from kfc Colonel Sanders Mm -hmm. Dude was like in his 60s When he started KFC Really? Yeah He he was a loser His whole life He was bombing dude Like bombing He was Interesting he was uh creating these different businesses and none of them were catching on. Well the Kentucky Fried Chicken, man, it took off and he died a multi millionaire, yeah, you know. Yeah. But it was through stumbling and then it was at sixty that he found his yeah. life purpose. Yeah. We're trying to tell kids they should find their life purpose at eighteen. Right. You know, it's crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. You you can't solidify somebody's intellectual life. Ever. Um, I think ever. Ever. If you're if ever. you're really if you're really on the progress,
0: on the growth path, you cannot ever solidify it. I don't think. Yeah. The universe is enormous, and we just have no idea what is out there for ourselves, even let alone for the universe. And yeah. it just keeps getting bigger. I mean, the oh, more yeah. we go into technology,
1: mm. holograms, mm. space—God knows. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's enormous. Well, and, and it's the yeah. only limitation is the human's ability to imagine it. Yeah, basically, that, that's what it seems like yes, at least. I agree. It's, if you can imagine that you can collide two protons. Or neutrons, or electrons, or whatever the fuck they're colliding. I think it's protons, but and and you can you can measure that out yeah. of it. That was that was probably blasphemy at one point in time. Great. Saying no, no, there's these little bitty things that nobody can see. There's it's impossible to see, them, but we can crash them into each other yeah. and see it. Yeah. it's like what are you talking about? You yeah. know, they build CERN. You know, they build they imagine this something and then they granted it takes a lot of science and i think to me that's the next real advance the uh, i was talking to my the other podcast so this is my second podcast i've recorded today mm-hmm. but jeff justice which i'm i'm probably going to release jeff justice is today mm-hmm. and i'll probably le- release this one maybe a, a day or two maybe saturday yeah. yeah um but one of the things that we were talking about damn i completely lost my train of thought cuz i digress so hard um. Jeff, Jeff. Oh, okay. So it was uh, it was uh institutions. Mm-hmm. So these thought institutions mm-hmm. that we that we could cling to mm. of uh social standing or race or religion. Right. They're all kind of breaking up. Yeah. You you, you kind of look at it and it's like, "Well, does it really matter that I was born in Amarillo?" Or does it matter that I help the old lady down the street? Right. You know, does it really matter if I'm Mexican or black or white? Or does it matter that whenever the person at the office gives me $6 back instead of uh, 5 she was supposed to just give me 5 I give the dollar back or I throw it in the tip jar. I right. say, hey, you, you gave me an extra dollar. Oh, you can have it. Shit, you just gave that to me. I'm giving it to you. Right. Encourage, encourage that kind of life, you know. Mm-hmm. Encourage this like res- uh, reciprocity. Yeah, I think is like um, but and see, like you were saying, it's it's super interesting to me. Um, community gardens mm-hmm. and creating all these things that can maybe be funded or manned mm-hmm. by volunteers, yeah, because they believe in a point, they believe in an outcome, you know. Yeah,
0: and I think I mean I think it's even simpler. Maybe just if you. You know, so I this is something I really need to do is I need to move back into town because I actually have never lived in Amarillo. I've always lived in Bushland and right mm. now I'm living uh in a house that my grandmother had built in the 70s in the middle of nowhere. Beautiful space, but super isolating. So, you know, I think if you if I was living in a neighborhood and then you just make it a point to go meet your neighbors, you make it a point to host potlucks, maybe do some crossfit in the front of your yard. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean, then, as those community relationships start to build, I think a lot of these other things start happening. And at that point, I mean, yeah, some things need to be monetized, but other things is just like, well, hey, you know, I'll throw in, I'll bring some shovels. You know, this other guy's got some dirt. I'll throw a hundred bucks in for fertilizer, whatever. You know, and then it's not really about the money, which is the nicest way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, um, yeah, it's not, it's not like always. Trying to figure out, like, well, how am I going to make this work from a business sense? It's just it's just sort of – it happens organically. It's now, like, I think
1: both have a place, you know? Yeah, well, Depending it's, like, it's like hobbies. It's the difference between hobbies and jobs. It's yeah. like I spend way more money climbing a rock wall mm-hmm. than I do anything else. I mean mm-hmm. I, I, I buy gear for it. I train for it. I think about it. Yeah. It's all the – you know? But I'll never receive a dime back from that, right? Because I'm shitty at it compared to some of these guys that can climb stuff and you know, like. Yeah. So hey, they are the ones that are making the money from it. I'm the one just buying the gear. They're advertising to me, right. but it's the same thing with like the mountain biking community. Mm-hmm. If there's a new trail to bust in Duro Canyon, yeah, in order to make a mountain bike trail, they do it with volunteers. And yeah. people show up and they bring their own shovels and right. they they create it. And when they're building it, they're building it for that one kid that's going to rail that corner. Mm-hmm and say oh that was a sick turn you know like that's what's motivating them or the thousands of turns they're gonna hit on that turn you know totally so it it is kind of interesting it's uh buying in like that's the biggest um question mark i think for society and and stuff in general is you have to be able to buy into it in order for it to work that's why they were the red scare right communists and capitalists, yeah. we've got to make sure we're all capitalists because right. if we don't believe in this system, it's all going to fall apart. You know, like that's what the belief, right. the belief was.
0: And it very well might. Actually. And it very
1: well might. I it mean, very well might. That's what, that's what Charles Eisenstein says.
0: I, I'm not sure how or where. I think, I think we'll have radically better capitalism, I think, uh, in the coming years, in the coming decades, probably it'll take mm-hmm. some time. Uh, and actually, something I've been thinking about for a long time in the Amarillo area, you know, there's not... A lot of hard rock. The canyon it has a good relief, but uh, once again, it's not not really climbable in a sense because it's. I mean, part of it is maybe if you yeah. put bolts in, but it's. Well, some... bouldering. Have you ever bouldered? Yeah, bouldering is good. But what I want to do, I want to find there are old green elevators, and yes. they have about four stories. Yeah, and they would be perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you been to Arch? I have, have been you to Arch. So but not recently. But I feel like a green elevator oh, you would need really be like you need Well, it would just be
1: more impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But granted, that's a huge undertaking. Um, but there's
1: other there's other cities that have done it. Oh yeah, dude. It's not like that's what's amazing. Which I'll I'll show you my, my garage eventually. Yeah, let's see it. I've got um, my wall is just in my back garage. I think it's fourteen feet high at okay. the top. Yeah. And ninety percent of the people that for their first time being in my garage, yeah. even if they've climbed before but ninety percent of people do not get to the top yeah, of my wall. That makes sense. They don't make it. Yeah. I mean, it, you you think it needs to be this big, grandiose, like big. But dude, that that is the most humbling experience right. when you stand and you're like, literally, I can start halfway up this wall and I'm not going to make it to the top. Right. Yeah. You know. But then you got a guy like Lance just mm-hmm. running laps on it. Really? You know. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, uh, he's. So before the climbing gym opened up, yeah. there was like a very small group of climbers, okay. and they all climbed out of the canyon. Oh, nice uh, bouldering. Yeah, well, Lance kind of stumbled into contact with this old group, and yeah. it's a. Com- I think most of that group is completely gone. Like Lance is yeah. the link. From old rock climbing in Amarillo to right. new rock climbing. I
0: remember doing rappelling down the canyon face like a long time ago. Do you remember where? which face? Are, I don't remember. It was Maya. I think it was my German teacher, Maya Heath or something. Yeah. Was the nice. Guy. Do you know Maya Heath? No, I, I don't know him. Anyways, I wonder if it's the same people. But oh, yeah,
1: yeah. and well, and there, it's a It was a pretty small, yeah, I'm sure. pretty small group. Do you go to First Friday? Sometimes, yeah. Oh, what is his name? Um, he's in there. The guy who does the Asian artwork. Okay. He does the calligraphy. Yeah, and the,
0: the white guy, not the Asian lady. Not
1: right. the Asian lady, the yeah. white guy. I,
0: I can not remember his name. But yeah, I know who you're talking um,
1: about. Anyway, he was part of that group. Okay. And he has some, there's crazy stories, just amazing adventure stories out of guys, out of Amarillo, <laughs> you know. But anyway, so he started climbing down at the canyon. Yeah. And uh, so we were climbing when the climbing gym opened up, you know, but out there. Right. But the way you get strong is by going in the climbing gym, yeah, you know? No, so totally. it, it really added fuel to the fire of rock climbing in Amarillo. And that was started by Gentry Houghton, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Gentry yeah. and Ryan. She was
0: in my... Uh, I I, went, I used to go over to her house for lunch uh, at Tascosa sometimes. Oh, and yeah. And make, like, a nice lunch. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, she was really cool. Yeah, did you know that they're in town right now? Are they? Yeah, yeah, they're in town for a little while. They... They were living in a bus for a little while. Oh, cool. And then they, uh, they've they lived up in Colorado and all over the place, yeah. and They've gone Thailand and different stuff. And But, yeah, they're in town for a little while, and uh, we've met up with them a couple of times and done some climbing cool. and stuff. But
0: And, you know, something else I've thought about, you know, it's interesting. Well, a a I think the canyon, you know, there's the normal trails, but I've met different people that use the canyon very differently than mm. what most people envision, you know. They don't recommend it, but you can do some crazy off-piece stuff at the Mm -hmm. canyon, go to areas you've never seen. Mm -hmm. And B, I mean, you can rock climb it. But more than that, I think, you know, living in Amarillo, oftentimes, since we're built just sort of on this plateau or on this plain, um, we don't realize all the topography around us, you know? Oh, yeah. And we don't have mountains in our vista and the wind blows. And sometimes it's hard to feel like you're connected to, you know, a, a thriving natural environment. But really, I think what we should start doing is we should start calling ourselves Canyon Country. Because really, mm. if you go to there's Powder Canyon, there's Tool Creek Canyon, which I've never been to. There's uh, some canyons along sort of the river in Lake Meredith. And what else? It's kind of the same system, but... Uh, yeah, Caprock. Alibates, Caprock Canyon. And then Canyon there's Caprock right, Canyon yeah. even far south. And I think all around, the more that we create a culture of going out and visiting these places Mm. then we'll be like oh yeah that canyon's cool but have you checked this one and have you seen this one you know there's all these little micro differences um you know a lot of people say you know like they move to a new city and they're like oh yeah i love the pacific northwest because there's a culture of going hiking you know Mm -hmm. and so we need to like i would love even just personally let's say the world amarillo needs to do this but i would love personally to like have more of a culture of friends going out and doing those activities yeah. and, and being like let's hit all the canyons we can within a two mile two hour radius yeah because there's a ton
1: oh dude i need to take you have you, you've you climbed some then you got bit. shoes a little bit i don't have shoes I, I can get some though okay i'm taking you to roy new mexico man okay you have got to check this place out dude it is like the do they have it, rock do they have yes rock? Okay, it's good. great bouldering awesome. it is great there are people coming down from denver really? to climb at roy pros how far is it from here four hours okay we're considered locals yeah nice. amarello is considered <laughs> yeah. locals dude this place is in the middle of nowhere uh, yeah. the way it got discovered was this guy is a geology student mm-hmm. somewhere in new mexico and it's mills canyon this guy had built an orchard down in the bottom of this canyon well the uh, uh huge rain came through and it bust a a big old dam that they had built and it flooded the entire canyon i think it killed the guy like his whole the guy and his whole family and and just wiped the the orchard out well so it it had been kind of public land for a really long time
0: yeah
1: and you can go out there they it's free like everything's free out there there's no running water or anything but anyway this guy goes out there as a geology student Hmm. and he's like okay well this is an amazing little you know, he's looking on satellite pictures, and he's like, well, this looks like a badass canyon. Oh, it's Mills Canyon. Oh, it's public land. I, I'll take a weekend trip up yeah. there out of college, I think, college break or something. And I'll just go check it out and go see <laughs> what it – and, dude, it's bad. It's like the – it's like Pottero Canyon on steroids – like bigger rocks Mm -hmm. and all of the rock is like it's called the uh dakota sandstone okay so it's kind of like granite it's really hard really really good rock yeah and just uh the so what what's cool is when you're in those environments it's a completely like it resets your brain Mm -hmm. you know to away from city life it, yeah. it resets your brain into seeing things differently and you're looking at the rock differently and you're walking and you do badass totally. Totally. so well we're planning on making a trip probably in the next month or two cool. it's I'd a short down. trip and yeah. we you can easily make it in a day awesome drive up there it's north of ute lake okay so, yeah, i know those. Yeah, yeah you just drive that same way and it's like an hour north of Ute Lake, or something like. Awesome, that. Yeah. it's badass, that but cool. Um, but yeah, I agree you can get with some
0: climbing shoes, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. All right, hell, I but probably, that's what's so nice
0: about bouldering too. The gear is so much
1: simpler. Oh yeah, you know? we'll see. But this is what's interesting. Mats, shoes. Yeah, so I have gone on ropes again okay. recently. Okay. And uh, in El Rito, New Mexico, mm-hmm. another amazing place. Yeah. Really close drive, um, and I got on ropes again. And now that we have a kid, mm-hmm. when you have ropes, it's actually less gear. Because the pads are pretty big, whereas a rope bag and all your beaners and your harnesses, yeah. one person can carry all that. Whereas, pretty much, when you go bouldering, you need each person's carrying a pad, which uh, we actually true. have all the pads. Right. It's not, uh, Lance actually has like seven pads, you know? Like, yeah. he's got a ton of pads.
0: I was just in Joshua Tree, actually. And sweet, there were dudes dude. carrying pads everywhere. Yeah. And apparently, we were kind of there, just like, it was, it was swamped. Like, everywhere it was kind of swamped with people. Uh, Asians? No, just lots of people. I mean, not so much Joshua Tree itself, but like the restaurants and some of the places we wanted to go around there. And we didn't realize that that's, since it kind of cools off, you know, in October, that's when we were there. And it was just like, that's the high season for
1: climbing. So we saw all these dudes Mm -hmm. with bouldering pads, just Mm -hmm. like, and the rocks there are amazing. Oh, dude. We we actually took, I think it was during my senior year. Okay. I took a trip with my cousin Lance, his now wife, Melanie. Yeah. uh, My sister and me. We drove out there in a van. Yeah. Um... And climbed, and then we also went to the Sequoia National yeah. National Forest Park? Forest? I don't Forest National I don't Forest know Maybe is. I can't remember. Anyway, so we did that all in one trip. Okay. and dude, it's it's crazy humbling because the hardest I've ever climbed is like V five. Okay, you know, and when the scale goes all the way up to like sixteen, yeah, you know, yeah. and you go out to really? Joshua Tree, and without a doubt, the coolest rock climb yeah. is like a nine or a ten or eleven. Right. I mean, you it takes a lot of people really serious effort to get that strong. You yeah. have to really be training hard. And, yeah. But when you're out there and you see these guys and you see, like, a mom, like, a 48-year-old mom who, right. like, walks up and walks it. Like, right. she'll climb what I'm... Like, she'll warm up on what I'm climbing on. Right, right, right. It's just a different level of living, you know, yeah. that these people have. But it is an incredibly humbling experience. And I do agree with you, man. Like, the the big problem with, with the panhandle is private land in my opinion I kind because of that, yeah. whenever you whenever you mark everything up and you like divide stuff it takes geological features and ends them versus like i know a couple of guys who who have access to some pretty big tracts of land and they mm-hmm. there's indian camps where you can just walk up and and there's like thousands of arrowheads and yeah. you know you can see these old camps it's a history right. of this place that not a lot of people really get to see and experience and feel and right. think, okay, um, 500 years ago, none of this was here, yeah. and there was people living here. Right. You know, with none of this here. And they were thriving. Right. A lot of them right. were thriving, you know. Yeah,
0: so you don't feel connected to the roots of the place because you can't see it, you can't experience it. Right. You can't experience the roots. Yeah. So um, I, but, I agree with you on that. I mean, it's private ranch, and I mean, we own a ranch, you know, it's yeah, private yeah. ranch
1: ownership. Um, but see, that's... You know... Um, do you... Oh, damn it. What is his name? The guy who owned North Face that recently passed. He recently died in a kayaking thing at like... Uh, I think he was like 80s, oh, 87. Wow. He was like kayaking in the middle of the Pacific or that's some shit. A good way to go out. He, yeah. Oh, dude. That's the way he wanted to die. He yeah. was probably... Every time he probably was like... Started paddling back, he was probably like, I hope I die. <laughs> like, I'm out here in this beautiful wilderness. But... So, he actually started buying tracts of land in Chile, in oh, Patagonia, right. and giving, like, basically buying these large chunks and then making them public lands hmm. for the Chilean people. people. And they, so volunteers go in and they take down all the barbed wire fence. They're, like, mm-hmm. rewilding it, mm-hmm. like, making it a natural preserve, you Crazy. know? And I was thinking, man, how interesting it would be if instead of building barbed wire fences to keep animals in, we just built walls mm-hmm. to keep animals out. Yeah. So then you could allow these, like... How cool would it be if there was a a herd of buffalo... That would be amazing. Like, 50,000 strong, like, used yeah. to be on the plains, Oh, no, you no, no, know? no,
0: not 50... So that's another thing I've thought about a good amount, is that, uh, you know, one of my friends, JP, he lives in Austin now, but he said, you know, one issue with Amarillo is there's nothing in the town that makes people feel small. You know, there's mm. nothing that makes them feel in relation to... Larger forces, like if you live, you know, in Denver, for example, you see the mountains in the distance. You live in Seattle, you see the ocean. Those are mm-hmm. giant forces. Except for the wind, which just really punishes us. Oh, a lot. dude, yeah. it's a- I know it's a, that's the force of nature. Yeah, it is. But if you think about it, this landscape, and then what's funny is we do have those landscapes, but they're canyons. So when you're you on your flat land, you can't see them, can't even see though them. they're there. You know, you got
1: to be in the bottom of the canyon to see exactly. the canyon. It is interesting.
0: But so what? I But if you think about it, uh, one of those things that was on the landscape um, before, you know, my great-grandfather started fencing it all off uh, is massive, enormous herds of bison. Like, literally, what you said, 50,000? No, no, no. Like, Nothing. Certain herds that would have, like, 2 million. I remember seeing shit. one recording. I think it said it was, like, a man looking at some point in Missouri, and he, I think he said he saw... 20 square miles of bison. God, dude, and can so you, you imagine that, that? Yeah, I think the, the number was like 100 million or something. So if you think Hundred about that, and million, you're like, dude. okay, that's nature. Like, that's the forces we're dealing with. Yeah. Then you would feel like, okay, you know, man has its role, but there's larger forces at work here yeah, too, Yeah, you know?
1: something else is.
0: And it seems like our mind wants to try to control everything, and then we only get these really par- paltry representations well, of the
1: grandeur of nature and yeah. and so whenever it's funny like we can look out the window and see some of downtown Amarillo. this is a yeah. pretty sick like yeah, view it's man i fun. i actually um i love downtown man like, well we're right across from the new where the wt building, yeah gonna which be. is gonna be sick yeah, dude really i good. we actually so i worked for a moving company part-time yeah and um we moved a lot of businesses out of that building yeah and while we were doing it i was like couldn't see it like yeah. Like WT was buying it and I was like looking at it and it's I was kinda, like was kinda, I can't see it You know I can't see the yeah. I can see the possible appeal But but they have done some Really amazing work yeah, on the it
0: side work is good, And I don't know if you all know this But it was supposed to be completed Maybe early next year But apparently they never Cleared something with a fire marshal And so now they're having to do a, a million dollar Addition to it and, and actually, you're a fireman, so you probably know about this. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's crazy. Like, You know, I, I see these buildings in New York City, and maybe they were uh-huh. built a long time ago, but they have outdoor stairwells going down. Yeah. But the fire chief said, no, you have to have a self-contained wall with the stairwell. And, yeah, okay, I guess, you know, if you have a fire, that gives you, like, an extra hour or two. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Do we have to have, you know, that... Million dollar expense and year two year delay for that. Like, oh yeah,
1: I don't, I don't know. Well, and see, so this is what's interesting. I so I talked a little bit about this on my last like solo yeah. show because uh, I went to an extrication class. Okay, and we demoed these electric tools, yeah. which is kind of we right now we have hydraulic powered okay uh, extrication tools, the jaws of life. And so I'm part of the rescue program, and extrication falls under the rescue program. Yeah. So we get to cut up some extra cars. So we're out there cutting up cars, and it's really cool because depending on when the car that you're cutting up is built mm-hmm. has a completely different – because of engineering okay, right. um, advances and different te- in right. di- different stuff, we're typically cutting up old cars. Yeah, there's interesting stuff you see every time you cut up on a car, you see something different. Right, because they're constantly evolving, constantly. Right. well, see the problem with buildings yeah. is it's the same. It's the the problem is they evolve over decades right. versus evolving over years. Yeah, so by the time a building, so there's a lot of things. That will kill you in an old building that right. won't kill you in a, in a new, building. new building because right. when you build it, they build the walls different, they build the void spaces different. Mm-hmm. They build now, it's not going to drop the building, mm-hmm. but when you're people. talking about like the survivability of three people, right? Let's say that. Uh, a couple year delay and multi million is all. Is it worth two people? Is it worth three people making it out well, in but the event? Well, we're
0: talking about the possibility of that. No, happening. agreed, agreed. You know what I mean? And so you're saying 100% there's, there's the agree. risk of that possibility happening. And actually, you know, when we study this, they say a human life's worth around $2.2 2 million. Mm. Kind of harsh to say. But so you're saying the possibility of that. Is worth. And so let's say it's three people. Yeah. That's $6 million. But we're saying, okay, well, actually, there's a very small risk that that's going to happen. Right, right. So you could say it's a $6 million risk, but it's, you know, of a likelihood of 0.1%. Right. And because of that, we have to do a million dollars of work. Crazy. And be delayed for a whole other
1: year. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. And versus saying it has to be an interior versus an exterior one. Yeah. An exterior fire escape is probably safer because then you're in the open air. But the problem is. Yeah. You've got all these government bureaucracies, sure. like the, they're federal. Some of them are international companies that say, okay, this has to happen. This has to happen. Right. This has to happen. And then you get these guys and that – so the biggest thing that hal- halts innovation in my opinion is mm-hmm. like a bureaucratic system above it because then you can't – You. it all comes down to – can I be sued? You know, have you right. seen you seen Fight Club? Yeah. You know how his job is adjust he's an insurance adjuster. <laughs> yeah. So he goes around and he says, Well, if if the amount of defects in this uh vehicle, mm-hmm. it's gonna kill twenty percent of the people that are driving it. Right. If we can pay off the twenty percent of the people for cheaper than the than the recall, right. then we just pay off the people that die. You know, it's kind of like a dirty way of sweeping it under the covers. But that's what happens when business is trying to advance and go and grow. And now vehicles, dude, whenever I first got hired on, we I'd go to like a car wreck. Right. And you you see people's legs up underneath the dash, dashes rolled over on them, pinched legs, all these problems. Dude, now we get up on these like hard wrecks. Yeah. All the doors are open. Grandma's walking around like Ooh, that was scary You know, whereas <laughs> yeah. uh, 10, 15 years ago right. They're dead well, All of them are dead Or see, majorly affected For the rest of their and lives And see,
0: this is what's happening I mean, this is I agree with that Like, I think really You know, probably If we could give Let's say the head fire marshal The flexibility to say mm-hmm. Okay, for this building What is a A sensible Realistic solution That will get people's lives saved Mm-hmm And that will work. You know what I mean? And maybe he could figure out some other system that's cheap and works. But if he has the regulation he has to
1: follow, he can. Right, right. So have you seen those new – they have these inflatable slides – Okay. Yeah. That will pop out of a window yeah, that you pop in, or there's another one. I would one. love the
0: fire escape. You know, the pole, like like uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, Let's just put yeah. in a couple of those. Yeah. You know, what we'll mean? see
1: it. So they're actually not allowed to put those in fire stations anymore. Because <laughs> why? Because it's People, dangerous. Maybe you break your ankle. Y'all are maybe all pretty this, buff. I mean, I yeah, you should be. You should be able to go, dude. It. I for the first three years of my career, I was going down those poles. Yeah. And I was going down it with a thirty-year officer who had been on the job for thirty years. Yeah. He was sliding the pole, right. and he never hurt himself. Right, you know most you get people, used to it. Yeah, right, you, you you learn, but um, but that it is. It's there are innovations and there yeah. are options, but a city and a group has to be a lot like. If you want to make an omelet, you got to crack some eggs. Yeah. you know, there's an engineering uh, a point of contact, yeah. and they're trying to eliminate the deaths at that point of contact. But then you might have a building like this, which has been around for... Do you know how old this building is?
0: Probably 60 or 70 years. There's probably
1: never been a major fire in this building that has ever killed anybody. No. So it's like, okay, was that an engineering thing? Or is it that the fact that it's rented to business people and they don't fuck around with fire? Right. You know? Yeah. Like... Well, and I mean... So it, to me, to me, it is it. It should be an occupancy. It should be a. It should be some sort of an antiquated. Uh, but this, that's ridiculous. So here's here's an example. Okay, I was just at this
0: conference this weekend. It was so amazing. It was about strong towns, and it was also about different uh, people who have been working with cities to try to solve some of these issues to try to make our cities more urban and all these things. One one example, they wanted to design a. Uh, a housing development that would not have any street access, no road access, um, in the front part of the house. So basically all the access by car would be by alley mm-hmm. and you'd pull into your garage. And then, so if you think about it, then the, the houses are a lot more social. You just walk mm-hmm. around there
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know, uh, the best thing about it was it paid better for the city cause it was denser, the denser your development, the more that, uh, the city wins in terms of financial tax revenue it was social. It was great for the people living there, but you know, you need access to fire hydrants. Right. Mm. And so what did they do? Well, these people were not thinking, what are the codes and you know, we have to live by these fucking codes. Um, no, they asked the fire chief, well, okay, given this, what's something that you think we could do? And within 10 minutes, he's like, you know, let's just put a few fire hydrants along this pedestrian walkway and, and then they have to have some way that they can then hook up – I think if there's some other valve maybe underground so they can, like, hook up the water main mm-hmm. right there mm-hmm. as opposed to having mm-hmm. to pull up a truck. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly what it was, but something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Simple, low-cost solution. And if you just give people mm-hmm. the flexibility to make
1: those decisions – Holy shit, dude. You know what I mean? So that that's really interesting because – so the thing is what saves people in fires and house yeah. fires the fastest is getting water on the fire as mm-hmm. quickly as possible. Yeah. Well – one of the problems is that all of the new furniture and all the new building materials yeah. give off a very toxic fume. I could see that. So it's, if if it's you, if you have if you have a couch right. burning in one room, right, it puts off this toxic smoke. Yeah, it's not the heat that kills people; yeah, it's, the, it's toxic. the toxic smoke. So now, if you could figure out a way through engineering, yeah. so like. Typically, okay, if if a fire alarm goes off, if there's something burning in a room, mm-hmm. what our standard operating procedure is that we get as close to the seat of the fire as possible mm-hmm. while on the outside of the building. Most of them we can get right in that window. Yeah. As soon as we start putting water on that fire, mm-hmm. the, the heat goes down, okay. which means that the production of toxic gases goes down, right, right, right. which means it, it gets better for everybody. Everyone, yeah. So if we can get... If it takes us 10 minutes to get to a patient going through the house. Yeah. But we can eliminate the hazard yeah. in under 30 seconds. Yeah. So now if you put these little hand, these these little uh, pumps, right? Yeah. You could hook up like they have in these buildings. Yeah. You have a two in, or an inch and three-quarter hose. Mm-hmm. And if I hear, I'm sleeping three houses down from this house that catches fire. Right. All that I have to do, I don't need any protective clothing. I just run to the centrally located hose. Yeah. I drag it to that structure, yeah. turn it on, and I get water in the fire until the firefighters who have the proper uh, respiratory protection, the proper training, and the proper fire gear can then get there and, and make the rescue. But I've made the situation better yeah. for the, the occupant inside and the public resource that's arriving to attack yeah, that's the fire. Good idea. So if if you built... The entire block mm-hmm. under the the concept of let's move the houses as close to the edges. So, like, my the back of my house is directly up against the back of the next house, okay. right? And then um, it comes out, and then I have a courtyard. Mm-hmm. So now you eliminated the street. Yeah. You uh, eliminated where the house, you know, you, you created this huge backyard, yeah. right? Because the front of my house is right next to somebody else's front of their house, you okay. know? And then you put a plug in the middle right. of that section, yeah. then you could make every single person in every single house a firefighter right. instantaneously yeah. You know, and create survive- more survivable outcomes, uh, create lower insur- insurance costs, mm-hmm. create less tax revenue. Right. You need less money from these people because now the service that they can provide they can right. provide it themselves. Because yeah. yeah, the design right. is
0: – yeah, the Right, because you designed
1: it properly. But see, the problem is then you have to work around all this bureaucratic bullshit above right. you right. in order just – like uh, it's anything in construction in Amarillo. It's uh, – the reason a lot of people don't do stuff is because they have to deal with building inspectors. Right. And it can add, OK, I've got $2 million set yeah. aside for this project. Yeah, well, then a building instructor comes. Our building inspector comes through and says, "Okay, now it has to be ten million dollars." Right,
0: exactly. It's, I
1: can't afford that now. It it stifens. Uh, it stifens. Uh, yeah, it stifles the growth. Stifles the growth. Well,
0: yeah. and so one of the people who presented here, they actually this guy actually started out working in the city of San Marcos, and he was sort of like a design guy, and he started just looking at our codes. You know, yeah. he, we started looking at the codes of San Marcos and um let's see and he found that basically let's say you're trying to build certain developments well one part of the code would say this and one part of the code would say this and actually it'd be very difficult to build some of the developments that uh, he wanted to build he wanted to build mm. sort of like more middle sized or renovations things like that and and then of course all of the codes are basically thou shalt not do not do this do not do this you can't do this and he was like he's just like let's flip the script you know He is a design thinker, so he's like, well, what is it that we want? Um, What is the process by which we're going to get there? And so he came up with – I think this is not that he came up with it, but he helped apply form-based code. Um, So as opposed to saying – I think the other – I was trying to find the other name, but I think it's like process-based code or something. But basically saying this is the kind of outcome that we want for the Mm -hmm. building – and making it positive, like prescriptive, like we want, uh, you know, increased walkability. We want two or three story. We want things like this. And then, and then basically if the, the new development was working towards achieving those goals, then they would like see it as successful as opposed to not meeting all these like crazy requirements that in the end, like, yeah, some of them are really important. You know, maybe you do need, I don't know certain uh, amount of doors for the space for mm-hmm. fire escape, you know. Right, right, but right. But beyond those simple parameters, there's so many things that are probably just don't even matter. But since it's a code and you have a, uh, I want to say a bureaucrat, but you have a government employee there who's tasked with enforcing it. That's what they care and about. And
1: see, and that that's what's crazy is these people are just wanting to do their job. They want to do their job to the best of their ability, right? And so – but in order to do their job to the best of the ability, they have to enforce something that wasn't – possibly wasn't – it wasn't thought of in the presence of the new nuances that now exist, the new innovations, the new thought process, the new options, you know?
0: Well, and really, I mean I think really we need to get more minimal. Like obviously there's certain things, factors that we do need to consider. I mean even – no offense, but even – the The idea that you proposed, I think, is really cool for fire uh, hydrants, but then we also have to think about okay, you know, what's how are people going to use the property? I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. layers of things oh, that you to can me, think yeah,
1: about. Yeah, I don't think about those. I'm not, I don't, right, I, yeah, it, right. You know, but but, but, but yeah. see, from
0: a fireman's perspective, though, you had a really good insight. Mm-hmm. And so, well, how can we integrate all those things into a workable plan, but not like slap people on the wrists, right, uh, if they're not like living up to some crazy standard? Yeah. Like, let's just say, okay. We're all trying to make it here. Let's just do things that aren't really dangerous and just keep moving. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and, and train education is what really um, – so the, the majority of fire prevention yeah. has been through education. OK. So we don't go on near as many fires at today as we did in the 70s. Really? Well, the amount of fire deaths have also dropped, Decrease. right? Nice. But education – Yep. Has increased it in schools. They don't play with matches. Right. Don't smoke cigarettes in bed. Right. Don't <laughs> overload sockets. Yeah. Proper like proper wiring of structures. Right. I mean, like there's a lot of ways. Sheetrock right. has done a lot of stuff like to stop the spread of fire through a house. So if a fire does start in a structure, it's more survivable. Yeah. So um, it's almost one of those things like just education, which should be the cheapest way to. Change to change, yeah. Change. I mean, we have a public yeah. education system, right? That we can teach them anything that right. the state deems. It's like so we teach them fire safety, and they live longer. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Like, yeah. let's do that kind of stuff. Like making each person a more um, capable citizen, to where to to where you don't need the public service. Right. You As know, much, I, yeah. I'm able to put out my own fire. Um. Now, now that in itself, it's, seen, it's like Uber, yeah. right? I mean, you don't have to own your own car. Right. Somebody owns a car and they'll take you somewhere for a low price, right? right. So it costs me if, – if it's cheaper for me to use Uber and not own, maintain, and pay taxes on my own vehicle, why would I not use Uber? Right. You know, if yeah. the service is applicable. And- right.
0: Well, but probably I – mean, I mean, I think probably a lot of fires get bad because – maybe people don't know how to react in that moment. And so if you can just educate on those small
1: fires that then become conflagrations, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's
0: probably where a lot of it.
1: Oh yeah. And, and I'm not saying that you need to uh, eliminate the job of firefighter, right? It just needs to be like the, the public relations officer for the fire department. He goes around to high to elementary schools and he gives talks and classes. He's probably saved more lives than any other fireman. Yeah. You know, but the PIO officer these guys they're not the ones that get all the you know you want to be the firefighter that came out of the burning building with your hat or you know your helmet all blackened and dude it was hot as hell in there you know I was fighting the fire it's all that's the glorious stuff sure but what saves lives is is the officer going and teaching in the class is the it's the education of the public you know so it's it's almost counterintuitive. You can't throw more money at it. You just gotta do it better. Yeah, you know? well
0: and I mean that idea in a sense, you know, Charles Eisenstein is searching for ideas beyond that. I mean, I think that's sort of a masculine trope of well, that's what a good man is, is to mm. go like throw yourself into yeah. a fire and that's the way you prove yourself. And granted, I mean, acts of bravery are very compelling and beautiful. But at the same time, I mean, there's so many other things that men can do that, you know, can have even larger effects as well. And so the more that we can allow men to enter into those ideas of themselves, the more that they'll have more flexibility to, you know, to be whoever,
1: whatever the universe wants them to be. Yeah, that's one of uh, Aubrey Marcus. Mm -hmm. He has, now it's called the Aubrey Marcus podcast. Yeah. But he used to have the warrior poet podcast. Project and what it was about is trying to meld these two worlds of this masculine uh, warrior with this more sensitive, more introspective poet. And then so you get these, you get throughout culture, you have the samurais, Mm -hmm. you have the knights, you have these classes of people that emerge that are both highly educated and will whoop your ass in chess, but will also be able to bash your head in with a with a. Hammer if they need to, you yeah. know, like they're just they're savages like yeah. that, but um like within that that's that's where masculinity is misunderstood mm-hmm. is it's as much about being smart at the chess game right a, as it is about being able to to be a a warrior by killing somebody, you can be yeah. a warrior in any way, right, you know by saving somebody, you know,
0: yeah, I mean uh I think you know karate and other things you know they teach you very deadly techniques, and then they say like you know you have some mastery over this you have control over this and and it's helped you develop yourself but you know you can practice with it but you use it in its true depth very rarely mm, almost never
1: never you know probably what I mean? never because so, that like joe rogan yeah. if joe rogan like sidekicked me i'm dead really i'm li- yeah, probably dead yeah huh. i mean and i have some fighting experience i yeah. did a battle of the badges a few years ago and right. box and i wrestled in high school Okay, but He's uh so he's a uh, taekwondo technician uh, yeah. like tech t- uh practitioner uh, tacticianer okay yeah. Practi- well practitioner but tactician yeah, yeah i think tactician, tactician yeah, yeah tactician. so he he could probably be he would be able to land a sidekick on me right that if he was fighting another taekwondo specialist right that guy might have sidestepped the kick he might have seen the kick he might right. have, it so your level of knowledge makes you safer right so now those two guys can go into a competition right where it would kill me yeah they they laugh afterwards they shake hands one hand gets raised they leave the mat it's no big deal right, you know right, those right. are killers they right. would have killed me you right, know right. but that's what's cool is then then oh, okay. so joe rogan then joe rogan then um gets in a in a fight in a bar yeah. right with a guy who's fat overweight probably can't go hard for a minute mm-hmm. right um drunk agitated right not seeing straight yeah joe rogan's gonna dominate that motherfucker sure. you know it's not even he, the guy might not even be able to touch joe rogan right right i mean just touch him you right. know he'd be able to move and dumb. And then he gets him in a jujitsu hole and he's just chilling he ends up getting this guy in a position where the guy is incapacitated right without having to beat him up right. you know he's yeah because he's to that next level yeah. you know so he wouldn't he wouldn't use his Taekwondo to the fullest ability, right? Right. Yeah. He's using it to like a very minuscule amount. Like it's just easy for him. So, no, totally. so it is. It is kind of cool how how and then that the confidence that comes with that in just a normal life. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about fighting somebody because if a fight does start, I'll probably if if I can hang with these killers, I can hang with these chumps. Right. You know, essentially. I mean right. I don't think he'd probably say it that way, but you know, that's that's the reality of the, you know, if you know who you are in those extreme difficult situations, you know who you are in the cake, easy, you know, beat up a chump situation, bar fight or whatever. So right. it is kind of cool, man. I'm I'm excited I'm excited to see what I really think the future of the next is 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 not necessarily the The demolition of institutions But Mm -hmm. the merging of institutions So you take the analytical Hard hitting, hard driving uh, Site of science Mm -hmm. And you merge it With the ethereal Free flowing Mystical experience of the religion Mm -hmm. You bring those two things together In the middle and allow The scientists To have the mystical experience Mm -hmm. And then what will manifest into reality? Yeah, is is magic. Right. You know, it it would be magic. Like,
0: yeah, and uh, I mean, I think you know you said earlier in this podcast that you know it seems like whatever we can dream, we can create, or is possible to be created. So, yeah, I think the more that a humanity starts getting over their psychological issues, and B, you know, that we do find some of these solutions you're describing, I think we real will really yeah, begin to creating magic, you know? I mean, we already oh, yeah. are kind of, but oh, I yeah. think even deeper and deeper levels. Uh, something else I would add to what you said, I really think um, so much of our progress is actually going to be, in some ways, becoming more humble, but really realizing that uh, humans have their place in in the world. Um, and we kind of think that we're the top of the food chain. And in some ways, we could say we are, but really plants um, are actually at the top of the food chain. And I think if you start inter- interfacing with some of the sacred plants as well, you realize that they have, I don't want to say exactly like one tree, but through those plants, you can tap into vast intelligences that really are beyond any individual human's intelligence. And just like you were saying, even, let's say if you have these chemicals, so you uh, have a burning building and you have all these chemicals in the furniture and other, you know, things that we built, well, that's because we've gone away from being very close to nature and creating natural products. And Mm so I think the more that we go away from nature, just in all these different ways, the more we feel alienated and the more we get into these different problems. So um, even if there will be like progress in technology, I think it's going to be more and more uh, based in... Nature, whether that's, you know, I mean, all the amazing properties of mushrooms, uh, you know, they can create packing material, they can create leathers, they can biodegrade plastics. I mean, there's all these amazing things mushrooms can do. Um, or whether that's, uh, you know, creating amazing fibers from hemp, or whether that's, getting into entheogens that can show you and give you deep connections with God and and other gods or I mean it's hard to define exactly what happens Mm -hmm. but and they can also do like extreme healing that people don't even realize is possible so um so yeah I really feel like a lot of our progress is going to be getting back to nature and developing a deeper relationship with plant and fungi kingdoms the whole natural kingdom
1: yeah well dude uh we're at an hour oh, and 11 far, yeah. and that that feels like a pretty good spot we'll definitely have to do this again okay because um, yeah we can pick up sometime later. yeah yeah well and we can we can go in a completely different direction but there's definitely some stuff that I'm wanting to cover with you on on this but uh, just for sake of sake yeah of, time. totally of saving people here's the thing what's funny is I feel like asking a person to listen to engage for an hour yeah um if they'll give me that commitment, then I'll try to give them concise, you know, listen totally. to it in one hour and you're good to go and we'll, totally. we'll, uh, we'll move on. So, yep. but anyway, dude, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, do you have a particular, like, uh, like a song that you want everybody to hear? It's a good question. Yeah, I do actually. Uh, I'll send it to you. Okay. Okay, it's,
0: uh, it's a shamanic song from Gabon, and this is what they play when you take this certain uh, entheogen, and it's really fast-paced. It's kind of trippy. It's cool.:
1: Okay, cool. yeah. 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 So do you, so what the, what's the name of the band?: uh, There's not a band.: Oh, it's but not the a name. Band? Of the
0: instrument is a magongo.: Okay. Cool. And it's actually played. It's kind of interesting because it's, it's kind of like a, a single string harp, and then you just tap on it with a stick on that string but then you put your mouth right up to the string and then you like open and
1: close your mouth to make different pitches of oh, sound. Oh shit. Yeah, it's pretty good. Nice. So. Okay, well cool. Well that's what you're about to hear. Uh thank you for joining me and uh until next time. Peace.